follow-up to what we were talking about last hour. Joe thinks that the 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 Joe Biden plan of on day one wiping out your first $50,000 of college debt might actually happen. I've been assuming all along that that's just nada. That's a pie-in-the-sky Elizabeth Warren craziness. God, I hope I'm right and you're wrong, but... No, um, she wrote an editorial with Chuck Schumer advocating this. Oh, boy. But so I was standing up for people who didn't go to college saying, why Why did I? Okay, so I decided to weld for a living or whatever I decided to do. Why am I paying for your college debt with my tax money? Left out the crowd of people that went to college and paid off their debt already. Sure. Or half of it or whatever you've paid off. What do I get? Do I get anything or am I just an idiot for having actually paid for it? Sure, or moms and dads who didn't want their kids saddled with uh, more debt than they can pay, so mom and dad took it in the shorts and gave up all their luxuries and expensive vacations to pay for their kids' college education. They get screwed, too, in effect. Yeah, and it's similar to the changing the rules constantly around restaurants and all that sort of stuff. You keep jerking with our assumptions, you get some weird results. You're going to get some weird results. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why is any why is anybody going to, you know, uh, live in a smaller house, drive older cars, whatever, to put their kids through college when they see a bailout like this happen? Why would you do that? You'll just assume, OK, we'll probably do this again in the future. Right. You know, there's very little to politics other than spreading around goodies. It varies in different systems. You know who, who your constituencies are, how broad they are or in a dictatorship. You really only need to buy off a few generals and then. Uh, people like that. Um, but in our system, it's just about distributing goodies. And uh, and that's a big goodie. They're going to keep the college crowd voting Democrat. It's as simple as that. I ate at a restaurant for the first time. Sam and I went Saturday night. And I was uh, sitting there and I was telling them, I think this is the second time in nine months that we've eaten at a restaurant. Mm. We did in Arizona when we went to see your cousins and went to the Grand Canyon because they didn't have restrictions at the time. But this is a I couldn't remember the last time I was in a restaurant. We were at a Red Robin. That's a national chain. And we ate outside. And uh, and there were hardly any people there because there's only like six tables total. And and and, th- and they weren't that busy because it's not very pleasant outside. It's kind of cold. Uh-huh. Um, and I went to the bathroom once and I went in there and you had to walk clear through the restaurant to go to the bathroom. And every table um, was upside down with the chairs on it and everything like that. And I thought... And it's been like this for for months. Yeah. Oh, this giant building for months has been empty with a handful of people outside. Mm-hmm. How do you even keep the lights on? Well, a lot of places haven't. I haven't heard the total of businesses that have gone away forever lately, but it's it's high. How do you even afford your electricity and uh, to have any employees on the staff at all and, and keep your food coming in to have in the refrigerator to even serve meals. I don't, well, the, I don't know how they do that. The big chains that are often o- owned by some larger corporation often have the cash to do those sort of uh-huh. things. It's the little independent, cool, hole-in-the-wall mom-and-pop joints that don't, and they're getting really oh, yeah, they're squeezed. Go- they're going out of business in the Red Robins of the world, whoever owns that. they they got to be just getting killed. And then the wholesalers who sell to those millions of little businesses are going out of business, too. Uh, in a lot of cases. I was looking around at our half dozen tables under the tents outside and thought, there's no way that the profit from our meals is paying for the staff and the building's rent and the electricity and everything like that. There's just no way. No. They're just losing less money by serving some meals. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what's really interesting, and 
this is uh, peculiar to, well, no, it's, it really isn't. I was going to say Cal Unicornia, but there are various uh, sheriffs in Washington State, uh, Oregon, uh, in uh, the, the northern part of Michigan who are openly defying their governors. And I think it's just great. A couple we want to feature here. Uh, why don't we go with Don Barnes of Orange County first, Sean? Just give us one and two. Just don't think that it's something that falls in line with a law enforcement priority. We have many other responsibilities that we're dealing with. Uh, expectation, I think, is uh, not only unfair to law enforcement, to the residents of Orange County, but it's just unfair overall. I don't think it stands uh, the constitutional test. And I'm not sure that we ever want to be in a position where law mm. enforcement operating with that uh, with that mission in mind to go out and right. arrest lawful residents of the county who are just trying to make ends meet and, and are doing so by following the rules. Yeah. Uh, the rules can't change week by week. And I think it's been very difficult for our constituents in Orange County throughout the state and the nation, quite honestly, right. uh, to keep well, redefining the way we operate. Sure. And I wonder if there could be a dam break of resisting the rules and where it's just so overwhelming, there's obviously nothing governors or mayors can do about it. And then, like the restaurant I was just talking about, they say, okay, hey, we're back in business. We're going to have our tables, you know, 10 feet apart. We're going to put up some partitions, but we're, we're going to serve five times as many people as we served last Saturday night. Right, right. And there are even counties now, the resistance counties, who are saying, if you're a business and you stay open, you get fined, we'll pay your fine for you. So that is pretty close to open administrative warfare. Uh, speaking of sheriffs, Riverside County Sheriff Chad Bianco, uh, boy, his whole statement is so good. Uh, but let's let's roll clip 26 first, Sean. The dictatorial attitude toward California residents while dining in luxury, traveling, keeping his business open, and sending his kids to in-person private schools is very telling about his attitude toward California residents his feelings about the virus, and it is extremely hypocritical. These closures and stay-at-home orders are flat-out ridiculous. When the medical field is so split about this virus, it might be time to employ a little common sense. Go ahead. Wow, that's some strong talk right oh, there. Oh, yeah, he's not done either. Hit, hit 27, Sean. It appears part of the new goal is to shift attention away from his and others' personal behavior with a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do attitude by turning public opinion against California sheriffs. He is expecting us to arrest anyone violating these orders, cite them and take their money, close their businesses, make them stay in their homes, and take away their civil liberties, or he will punish all of us. I believe that all jobs are essential to someone. Leaders do not threaten, attempt to intimidate, or cause fear. Bullies do. Boy, that's some strong stuff out of a sheriff. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Where does this end, I wonder? I, li I like that statement. That is That needs to be said more often. That needs to be a banner people have on their cars. All jobs are essential to someone. Right. You're here. And here's uh, the Riverside County Sheriff's bottom line in clip 28. While the governor's office and the state has threatened action against violators, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department will not be blackmailed, bullied, or used as muscle against Riverside County residents in the enforcement of the governor's orders. Boy, this could get ugly. Uh, what's what's your move, Governor? Are I you, think it is ugly. <laughs> it's well, it already is, ugly. Uh, it is. We're going to get seriously uh, more ugly if the governor comes back with whatever his legal uh, possibilities are. It can can he remove sheriffs 
that refuse to enforce the law? No, absolutely not. Is the chief executive, or what's the process? No, what he would do and what he threatened to do, and in the the entire clip of Sheriff Bianco, he kind of explains Because you need to have a process. You don't want a world, none of us want a world where rogue sheriffs don't enforce laws, for the most part. Right, Uh, right. You know, if it's a law I believe in, I want the sheriff to enforce the law. Well, yeah, I would I would say that is proof of how far we've come down the road of squashing civil liberties. And two points that the sheriff makes that we didn't air. Number one, the uh, the lockdowns are bereft of scientific basis. There's no hard data showing kids can't play on a playground. A, they're kids. B, they're outdoors. They're not vectors. The kids don't get seriously sick. That's just idiotic. And the other point he makes is that uh, the governor's threatened to yank all sorts of state funding from counties that don't obey his dictates. So he's going to hit them in the pocketbook every every way he possibly can. This is the same just half-wit governor who, who cried like a child. He wet his pants when the Trump administration said, look, if you're going to be a sanctuary state and you're not going to help us enforce immigration law, we're going to cut your funding. And all old Gavin Mussolini was just crying, oh, that's bullying. You can't do that. You can't make us do that. It's just ridiculous. Uh, oh, which reminds me, you know, we should have gotten this to, uh, to this last week, but we were so busy. There's so much to talk about. San Jose, uh, California city officials um, are finally waking up to the whole sanctuary the city thing and how terrible it is. When this guy who's been deported three times stabbed five people at a church, killed a man and a woman, injured three other people. And uh, every time the guy's apprehended um, uh, and they turn him loose, they're not allowed to tell immigrations, immigrations, hey, uh, there's a violent felon who's an illegal who's been deported many times. We're about to turn him loose. They're not allowed to in that sanctuary city. And now, finally, the city fathers and mothers are waking up and saying, uh, this is not working. This is too dangerous. Yeah, yeah, we tried to tell you that years ago, but now that people are dead, they've finally uh, woken up and seen the light. But so this has happened all uh, around the country on these various uh, COVID restrictions where you've had sheriffs, uh, law enforcement, Leo's saying we're not going to County enfor- boards, too. Yeah, sure. we're not yeah. going to enforce this. What is anybody going to get tougher on that, do you think, or you think they're going to back down? Because politically, I think you just, you're stepping on a landmine to try to force even more strongly these things to go through. Oh, so are the governors going to back down? Yeah. Um, yeah, the mayors. I, think, I think they have to. I've seen coaches lose teams. You lose the locker room. You bark out an order and people just roll their eyes and go about their business. And once that starts, it's over. It's done. And Gavin Mussolini, uh, Gretchen Whitmer and and others, uh, J.B. Pritzker in Illinois, who's underrated as a dope, um, they're they're very close to losing the locker room. I mean, you have multiple sheriffs and county yeah. boards now saying to Gavin Newsom, uh, no, we're not enforcing that. It Forget reminds it. me you can get that way with a group of kids. Oh, sure. You know, where you realize... Um, uh, I've had this where I've got a big group of kids and they're not all my kids, so I can't quite be the, uh, you know, uh, as strict as I normally would. Um, but you realize if I make another rule and it gets ignored like the last one, then I've got even less power. I better right. just keep my mouth shut. Yeah, that's because there's of... still at least the kind of the the air of legitimacy that I'm in charge of this. But if I make another big blowhard announcement and nobody follows it, I'm I might as well leave the room. 
Right. That was one of the great <laughs> learning experiences of being a youth sports coach, which I did for years and re- years was, you know, in a lot of cases, they have to show up. You know, their parents signed them up. They're going to finish the season, whatever. They have to show up, but they don't have to engage. They don't have to listen. I can't beat them. <laughs> you know, in, in some cases, I could maybe throw them off the team or something like that. Right. Uh, but you realize, OK, I have 15 different personalities here and I got to keep 15 people engaged because when one person peels off and they completely disengage, others will follow. And it's a negotiation. It's a complicated thing. And I found it really interesting every year I'd have a new team, new personalities. Um, but I think there are a lot of governors. And, and Gil Garcetti, who's the mayor of L.A., is a great Eric. example of this. Eric Garcetti. I always say Gil is old man. Eric Garcetti. Um, Eric has been an academic and in government. His entire worldview is theoretical and out of a book. And he is so lost the locker room in Los Angeles. You know, we ought to play that uh, that Patricia uh, Marsden, that uh, restaurant owner whose impassioned oh, video is, is echoing around, uh, you know, social media. Yeah, it's, if you haven't heard that. It's, it's perfection. It is the stuff that launches revolutions. And we'll, we'll play it for you next. Don't go away. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, I got to talk about another new show my son and I discovered that we really, really like. Excellent. Um... Bringing the generations together. I love it. Um, you know, uh, for a while there, people who are frustrated with the world were talking about the sweet meteor of death, Smod, uh, yes. hoping that would wipe out the planet. You know, it's it's a joke, obviously. You don't you don't actually want to be killed by a meteor, but it's kind I, of a... I, I don't. Uh, so we can't count on that, but I just came across this. The, the Earth is headed toward a black hole faster than they thought before. Hmm. So that would do us in. End of the month, or uh, what sort of timetable are we talking about? Uh, 25,000 light years. So Away. 20, well, uh-huh. yeah, but a light year is a year. So um, uh, that's the, at the speed of light. Are, are we traveling toward it at the speed of light? Well, you know, that's a good point. We're not. So it will be significantly further than that. So, so I should probably. still pay my bills and stuff? Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd stop just <laughs> to see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of paying bills, we would be all crushed just instantly, though, if we we get sucked into a black hole. Oh yeah, you wouldn't suffer. No, you'd be. I'd imagine uh, at the point the Earth is hurtling through space at you know the speed of light, things would be a little disconcerting. <laughs> Probably be very windy for one thing. <laughs> oh, which reminds me, we're really hammering Cal Unicornia this morning. Uh, there could be widespread power shutouts in America's Haiti, California. Uh, That's a nice it's, little thing to add to your life. It's a tad windy. Anyway, so um, in the Sherman Oaks uh, area of Los Angeles, uh, this gal, Patricia Marsden, owns the Pineapple uh, Restaurant and Saloon, I think she calls it. Um, and, and there's a visual to this. She's uh, describing, uh, she's pointing to her little outside seating area for her little restaurant. And then a giant tented complex that is every bit as tables close together or whatever or as her restaurant, but her restaurant's been shut down. Uh, and uh, and she is describing this uh, to us in the video. 
So this is my place, the Pineapple Hill Grill and Saloon. If you go to my page, you can see all the work I did for outdoor dining, for tables being seven feet apart. And I come in today and I walk into my parking lot and they set up a movie company right next to my outdoor patio, which is right over here. Tell me that this is dangerous, but right next to me as a slap in my face, Mayor Garcetti and Gavin Newsom is responsible for every single person that doesn't have unemployment, that does not have a job, and all the businesses that are going under. And we need your help. We need somebody to do something about this. Well, the peculiarly, the odd American custom of uh, venting your compassion through GoFundMe pages has happened, and now they've raised over $100,000 for that uh, that restaurant to pay her workers, I guess. So what's the deal? Are movies essential, or did they just get a special something? Or? Yeah, they gave them a special permit. You know, Yeah, movies, that's big. That's glamour. So you got to be able to feed your cast and crew. So yeah, you can set up a giant dining tent right next to, and I mean, you could spit from one to the other, right next to a restaurant, a private enterprise that has been shut down by your dictatorial orders that is doing everything to keep their people safe that the movie company is doing. This is how you lose your people, your yeah. people's obedience. Yeah. Well, there's been a lot of picking and choosing what and who is essential from the very beginning that has been incredibly unfair. That's why the government should never be in the uh, pick and winners business. Here, here. I say ignore it. Uh, a show suggestion for you, among other things, on the way. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Some show recommendations I've got that uh, came across on, are they all on Netflix or Disney? I don't know. I don't even know what channel I'm watching. Check your local listings. <laughs> Some things that we... Uh, grab your, Google it. Grab your TV guide, <laughs> highlight the shows you like, and mail them to us. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a good feature, Sean. It's an excellent um, idea. Anyway, I'll hit you with those coming up in a second. Some shows we're into. Um, but first, Scott Gottlieb, who's been right since the beginning on a whole bunch of stuff about the uh, the, the coronavirus and where we're going to be over the next month. Well, look, I think we have a worsening situation around the country. Things are going to continue to get worse for the next four to six weeks. We're not likely to see a peak in the number of infections until about the end of December, maybe into January. And we're going to see a peak in the number of deaths and hospitalizations probably at some point in the middle of January. So as bad as things are right now, they're going to get a lot worse. Um, I think by the end of the year, we'll be at probably about 300,000 deaths. And by the end of January, we could be pushing 400,000 deaths. We're going to see consistently probably 2,000 deaths a day. And as we get into January towards the peak, we're going to see over 3,000 3, deaths a day, unfortunately. And we maybe get close to 4,000 deaths a day. So this Ooh. is going to get a lot worse before it starts to resolve. Right now, the statistic is that about 1.7% of diagnosed cases will succumb to the infection within 22 days. That has held pretty steady. So there's a grim future right now ahead of us for the next six weeks. People really need to protect themselves. I'm speechless. Was this inevitable? I mean, just the, the, that's what's going to happen in a pandemic? And these trillions of dollars worth of damage we did just held it off for a while? Yeah, just delay, delay, delay. Apparently, this thing is that contagious. 
Could we have just let it roll over us and kill 400? I mean, I'm not trying to be just crass and heartless, but no, could no, we have just let it roll over us right away and kill 400,000 people and then be done with it? Or I well, suppose I think if we what, hadn't had the vaccine uh, staring us in the face, then you lose a lot more people. I think what uh, Mr. Dr. Gottlieb would say is, well, every single hospital bed in America would be full and people would just be dying at home mm. by the hundreds of thousands. I, I don't know, though. That's an interesting question. Oh, new research from Pew has found that the percentage of uh, U.S. adults who said they would get vaccinated has risen 10% since September and is now at 60%. Okay. Still leaves a significant am- a number of Americans who say they would not get the vaccine, um, but things are moving in the positive direction. Huh. I, I feel like there's going to be societal incentives for this, whether you're the the next round of stimulus stuff is going to be tied to it, or your insurance company, or you need a vaccine card to go to an NBA game, or, or I think there's there's going to be some sort of societal thing to kind of push that number. I, I would think if your friends are going to bars and restaurants and movie theaters and all that sort of stuff with their card, and you're still staying home because you something and aren't getting the shot. Right. And as uh, we're human beings and since you're a little kid, uh, you watch three other kids go down the slide and you figure, okay, I can I can probably do that. It's not that scary and you're going to see people by the millions get the vaccine and be fine. And uh, so more and uh, more and more people everybody drop their else hesitance. is everybody else is doing the Tide Pod challenge. I might as well. Oh lord. A uh, couple of quick emails from our beloved listeners. Email us at mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, on the topic of the vid and the, uh, the shutdowns and the rest of it, I love this. Phyllis writes, I'm a healthy 71-year-old. If I get sick from COVID, the chances that I recover are 94.6%. If you're age 0 to 19, your chances of recovery are 99.997%. If I die, I die. Do I want businesses to be ruined, people's lives to be turned topsy-turvy, children to go uneducated, the economy to crash, etc., just to protect me? Hell no. Let's get on with life. Mm. And then uh, this from uh, Kelly. I've heard Governor Mussolini is going to order shelter in place this weekend. Uh, this was written on Friday, obviously. Uh, half the county, half the country is wide open. California seems unaware that masses of people are not dropping dead in the streets. Uh, I live in Sacramento. Many families I know have had COVID-19. They're all fine. It's varied in severity. Kids have almost no symptoms. Some adults have been quite sick but are now fine. Recovering takes time in some cases, but they will recover. In the last six weeks, I've been to Florida, Arizona, and Montana. People are living their lives. Wake up, California. Quit being cats. How do you feel about that word? Mm. Rhymes I, with I, wussy. I don't use it myself, even in private company. Uh, thank you for your unique and awesome show. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for your unique and awesome email. That reminds me, we got this I text. use that term all the time. Uh, Jack, moved to another state. Here in Arkansas, the new normal is the same as the old. Kids are going to school, we're playing sports, church is open, scouts, etc. Yeah. So I realize a lot of you are living uh, relatively normal lives. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm late to the party on most TV shows, so I realize I recommend something that you watched four years ago. But my son super got into... Uh, a series of unfortunate events, which I had never watched any of before. Have you seen any of that? Oh, the Lemony Snicket. 
Yeah, yeah the movies? Yeah, the, the well, the, the, this it's, it's a TV series. Yeah, yeah there's a oh. series where... Uh, and it's got all the biggest stars in the world. Neil Patrick Harris, yeah. I believe, is uh, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the bad guy. Among, among many giant stars. That's that funny. is because I, I have seen that with the, my kids. They loved it. That is the best show my son has ever watched, uh, from my standpoint. Like the most artistic. It's this great. is this is real art show he has ever seen. It's freaking amazing. Has he read any of the books? No, I was they're una- terrific. I was unaware of the books. So now we're going to go backwards toward the books. But um, uh, this is the most artistic, like adult level entertainment he has taken in. It's really something. If your kids have never watched it. On Netflix, the series he he just can't get enough of it. You know, so it, well done. The narrator is Putty from Seinfeld. Oh, All right. How do you handle the the streaming budget? Because uh, I can't imagine as a kid if I discover a show and I know that the entirety of the show oh, exists yeah. on the oh, magic yeah. box. How do I just? How do you, do you just dole it out episode yeah, by yeah, at yeah, a time? You, you or? have to, and you have to make it like a reward for various things and everything. Because right. yeah, it's like yeah, that's a good point. Because. He could, if I let him, he would just sit in front of the TV for 30 straight hours and take it all in. But the other show we ended up watching on, so we took in the new Mandalorian episode on uh, Friday night. and the, um, the last two Mandalorian episodes are among my favorite hour and a half stretch of Star Wars that has ever been made. Oh, really? It is. Th- those last two episodes are just brilliant. I what love do you them. think, Joe? You're a Star Wars guy. The, the baby who's wearing a zebra on her head and fights with two light, lightsabers. Uh, yeah, that's pretty entertaining. I don't, maybe I got to watch them again. I thought they were fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're talking about uh, Ashoka Tano. That's a new character yeah, that was introduced. No, no, you see, I don't memorize these people's fake names. But right. from the, the Clone Wars. Uh, but yeah. the show. But the <laughs> Is show, she now? After we watched The Mandalorian, the show we started watching that I would recommend to anybody, and I don't know the name or the channel, so it's going to be difficult to really recommend it to you. It's, um, I think, on. It doesn't matter. Disney People or Netflix. Google You'll it. find it. And it's called something about world champions or whatever. Have you seen this show that focuses on niche champions in weird activities? And it's a series of documentaries. And, like, they've got one that's people that do pet dancing. It's like ballroom <laughs> dancing with their pets and their best in the world. And they've dedicated their, their lives to it. And the uh, Yo-Yos is one my kids really want to watch, the best yo-yo artists in the world. We are the champions? Yes. The episode we watched over the weekend, though, was the one about the the the, the chasing the cheese down the hill. You've probably oh, yes. seen this. It's been going on for centuries. And nobody's sure if it's been going on for, like, 80 years or 800 years. They, they haven't been able to nail that down. But there's one hill out in rural England where once a year they take a cheese, a big round cheese, they wrap it up in a colorful ribbon, and then they roll the cheese down the hill, and then everybody runs after it. And yes. many bones are broken. And the first <laughs> the person chasing down, of the cheese, the chasing of the cheese, and you've probably seen highlights of it. But this is a documentary that really gets granular on it, and it is so entertaining. Um, this hill is at a 45-degree angle. I mean, it's crazy steep. Oof. Yeah, you can't you can't even hardly walk without falling down. It is so steep. <laughs> and very rough terrain, like, you know, divots and ditches and then high spots and rocks and stuff like that. Yikes. And all these people start at the top, and you can't chase the cheese. You can't actually catch the cheese because it goes 80 miles an hour. And quickly I mean, that's just reaches a life lesson. It's just, <laughs> it's, right. it's just basically the starting gun. Who the, threw my cheese down the hill? The first person to reach the bottom uh, wins. And the, 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 the current champion, for instance, it's 100 meters. And it, the current champion easily beat Usain Bolt's speed. 
because you're you're hurtling down this hill <laughs> so fast. The fastest man in the world, they said over 100 meters, is this guy, not Usain Bolt. Wow, wow. <laughs> but when they when they show that thing in slow motion 4K, and the fact that anybody does this, they start like running, but immediately somebody falls and trips the next person, <laughs> and then they're all just just chaos, just chaos, just all ass over tea kettle, and people landed with their head going sideways and their leg going. I mean, it's like all the worst NFL injury stuff you've ever seen in one race. Oh my god, and it's just hilarious, and they don't show anything graphic on it, which I liked because okay, it was good. okay for the kids, except for the girl who is now a four-time champion. She started when she was like fourteen, and I think part of the appeal of it is she's uh, she was really cute. But she's she she's now won four times, and she's a crazy person. She did lower her shirt and show her shoulder, this big bone that sticks out of her shoulder. Oh, gee, man. from a, a wreck she had years ago. But it's basically who's the most willing to just completely <laughs> sacrifice their body and let gravity take its toll? Wow! <laughs> and wow. win the race. I gotta watch that. Oh, it's hilarious and very entertaining and just kind of interesting about humanity. And I also think it's interesting. You would never be able to do that in the United States. Um. Oh no, no. Come to think of it, of course not. The fact that that people are doing that and watching it and just hey, you want to break your neck? Go ahead, break your neck. Um, it's your neck. Yeah, it's your neck. Uh, is fantastic. Now. <laughs> Uh, you know, which brings us back in a funny way to the Lemony Snicket book slash uh, TV shows, the series of unfortunate events. When I was reading those to my kids and soon they took over and read it themselves, it struck me how many terrible things happened to those kids. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. It is Gruesome. a series of unfortunate events. Gruesome. Death, pain, abuse, emotional abuse. I mean, it's but the kids are fine with it. And the kids learn lessons about resiliency and toughness and hanging together and stuff like that. And it it took me aback the first book I read, um, both the the feel of that and how my kids responded to it. But it strikes me it's such an incredible contrast to the whole modern safe space. Uh, you're making me feel unsafe. Speech is violence. Silence is violence. Everything's violent. I'm always afraid. I'm prone to anxiety. The rest of it. I wonder if kids are reading those books now, being raised by social major parents and the rest of it. I don't know. I don't know. It is pretty, um, pretty intense. I mean, it's totally unsafe space, like oh, for its kids' whole lives. Nonstop. It starts with spoiler alert: their parents dying in a fire. Yeah, that's Job from uh, Arrested Development is their parents on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, but kids love these books and and the show. Yeah, good stuff. Yep. And then you grow up and you have the uh, you have the willingness to chase a cheese down a hill. Exactly, because you know sometimes you catch the cheese, sometimes you shatter your upper arm. Have your feet point in the wrong direction, but you got the cheese. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. So there's a story you're going to hear a lot over the coming uh, weeks and months. I just want to make sure you have a little background on it about uh, uh, what have they called not verifying appointments, um, confirming some of Trump's appointments. 
Mm, yeah. you, you'll hear a lot about it in the coming weeks, so stay tuned for that. Oh, uh, Biden? Uh, confirming Biden's pick, you yeah. mean? Or? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I wanted to get this on just to get this on. You have to know this. The third largest school district in the United States, Chicago. The Chicago's Teachers Union over the weekend tweeted, and I quote, The push to reopen schools is rooted in sexism, racism, and misogyny. Can you imagine? I mean, I kind of appreciate it because these critical race theory lunatics are so exposing themselves as as just ideological bizarros. I mean, it's hard to even come up with words to describe them. They're they're out of their minds. The push to reopen schools is rooted in sexism, racism, and misogyny? It's a horrifying thing to say from people who, uh, in theory, care about kids. They, they've outed themselves as clearly they do not care about kids. But if you're a parent of kids suffering through these distant learning craziness, you know what it's rooted in. Well, and, and the poor kids, especially who are, are heavily uh, little kids of color, are suffering the worst. And you're saying people like us who want those kids in school are motivated by racism? What the hell? Yeah, that's pretty outrageous. That's the Chicago's Teachers Union. Oh, there's a, a piece in AP News this morning. First report cards of the school year arriving with many, many more Fs than usual in a dismal sign of the struggles students are experiencing with distance learning. Now, I mean, are, that case is settled. Kids aren't learning, but uh, if you want to get them back into school, you're obviously a racist. Just give the kids A's. Problem solved. Yeah. Sexism, racism, and misogyny. Disband that union today. So I've always been kind of a believer that when it comes to presidents... Um, this used to be the attitude, and I bought into it, that, hey, I don't like, when I when I would hear the opposition party say, hey, I don't like Obama's choice for blank, but I believe the president gets a, the right to choose their own cabinet, their own mm-hmm. group of advisors. So sure. as long as they're not, you know, lunatics or, uh, you know, criminals or something, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, yeah, president gets to have his own team. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it was for years. And then it stopped being that way. And I don't know how much the Republicans are going to fight Biden's appointments. But if they do, and I think they probably are, you're going to hear a lot in the news about how they're just crazy Trump loyalists, probably racist somehow, and, you know, just awful people for doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should have this background before we get into it because it'll get lost in the in the mess. Schumer's wages of resistance. Senate Democrats did everything they could to delay Trump's nominees. and Republicans will not forget. Nearly every Democrat senator eventually complied with Schumer's idea of resisting Trump's picks. Uh, Oregon's Senator Jeff Merkley vowed to obstruct the president's nominees purely as a protest against Republicans. Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut promised to shatter precedent to stymie nominations. The result was unprecedented. As had been the tradition, President Clinton's and Obama had nearly all of their cabinet confirmed in January. Took like days. Uh, Clinton had 13 out of 14, Obama 11 out of 15. Senate Democrats made sure Trump had only three. Wow. Three. Because he's not the legitimate president, Russia and whatnot. Are Um, you saying they rejected the results of an election for four years? Yeah. Uh, Senate Democrats slowed down and attempted to block the confirmation of 24 of Trump's cabinet and cabinet-ranked nominees. None faced similar roadblocks during the first terms of Clinton, Bush, or Obama. And when lower-level nominees are included, Democrats attempt to block 79 executive branch appointments in his first two years. So keep that in mind when you hear the news stories. 
in the coming weeks and months when the when the Republicans are doing the same that uh, you know the, there there was something that led to this. Right. And I realize trying to go back to the original sin of all this is very difficult. Who ended the filibuster first? Who who did this first? But um, it's not it's not unprecedented. Is my only point. Yeah, we were talking a little bit earlier about the uh, tweet by the gal from uh, MSNBC slash NBC. She's NBC's chief congressional reporter or whatever. Uh, a fawning, I mean, an embarrassingly fawning tweet about Joe Biden. Not only does she think it and say it, but she like puts it up on social media that she just is so impressed with him and he's so honest and so good. When the guy's known as a like oddly pathological liar. Through his whole career. Just weird. So, yeah. Yeah. Good luck getting a straight scoop from the media. We've had a couple of times where we've purchased things online and they ended up to be comically large or smaller than we thought <laughs> they were going to be because you don't have any reference point. Like, we got a can of uh, cashews. Eh, I'll get the big can. You know, and you're not, you're going kind of fast with your shopping. I'll get the big, the large or whatever. Yeah. And it comes and it's like five gallons of cashews. <laughs> Right. If that a number of those things happen. Apparently, a guy did that with an inflatable Grinch. He bought an inflatable Grinch. He thought he'd get the big one. It was $670. That's pretty expensive. He didn't know it'd be this big. It's bigger than his house. <laughs> it's like for if, if you have like a car sale going yeah. on. <laughs> oh, Out wow. on an interstate, yeah. you really need to get attention. Right. Anyway, like those, the giant inflatable apes that amuse me so much. He decided, oh, I'm buying a car there. They got a giant inflatable ape. <laughs> Look at that. That ape knows where a good deal can be found. <laughs> no giant ape would hang around a crappy car dealer. <laughs> really speaks to the intelligence of humans, doesn't it? I think it says a, something about that, it, yes. That a giant inflatable ape could, uh, under any circumstances, get you more customers. Wow, a house-sized <laughs> Grinch, though. That'd be cool. He's put it up for auction for charity, which is a pretty cool, cool idea, and it's raising a lot of money. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I ordered the big Grinch. It's bigger than my house. That's hilarious. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.